we are delighted this morning to have our friend and our brother, Paul, Paul Pendleton, here. To uh, He's been preaching both messages this morning. Um, he and his wife, Paula, traveled up from, from Crow, West Virginia. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance to speak to him, or, or if you have, uh, be sure to catch him after services and, and, and introduce yourself and talk with him. Paul, you come preach the message the Lord's laid on your heart. Good morning again. Um, for this message, I have combined four messages that I've preached over the last, four, about the last four Sundays or so. Frank told me the first message is 30 minutes, and he said the second message is as long as I want. So we've got four messages. No, I, I promise... Uh, It'll be less than two hours. Uh, if you would, please be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And that was a, a good hymn to lead into my message too. Perfect hymn for this. 1 Corinthians 1. Last three verses. First Corinthians one. <clears throat> that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. My title is, Christ is All. I know I kind of started in the, in the middle of a thought here with this passage. And I did this because I want to point out what surrounds verse 30. What do we see there in those two surrounding verses? First, no flesh should glory. The word glory means to boast. So no flesh should be boasting. And that boasting in the flesh, that is boasting in the flesh or about the flesh. The last verse tells us where we should boast though. In the Lord. We have this same type of statement in Philippians 3. And if you want to turn there, you can turn with me But Philippians 3. If not, I'm just going to read it here. And I want to, to notice there's a word there in, in the passage in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 3. But uh, the word is rejoice. But here Philippians 3, verses 1 through 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. The first time the word rejoice is used, finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord. This word means to be calmly happy or well off. We can be calmly happy 
and well off in the Lord. Especially as we hear these same things that are familiar to us over and over again. But the second time the word rejoice is used, it is the same word glory used in our text. To boast. Our boasting is to be done in the Lord and our flesh we have no confidence in. And this is where I am going this morning. I want to go through each of these things briefly where it says Christ is made unto us these things. Christ is caused to be these things unto us, unto his people. And I want to be clear, it it does not say that God is making us these things because of Christ. It's not saying anything about us being made these things here. In other places it does say those kind of things were made this in Christ. It's not saying Christ has made anything here. He has just made unto us these things. My hope is by God's grace and His Spirit we will see what God tells us about Jesus Christ in this passage. So I have one wisdom, two righteousness, three sanctification, and four redemption. So number one, wisdom. Supreme intelligence. There's only one supreme being. Wisdom in knowing all things, how they work, how they work together, when they work, simply by his thoughts about them. He created all things for himself and he holds all things together. They were all created for him. Jesus Christ has wisdom to always know what to say and when to say it, what to do and when to do it. There's a good reason why. He created all things. He knows how everything works because He created them and He created them for Himself. And He holds them all together. That means it all works as expected by God. There's no surprises with God or to God. God is the first cause of all things. Now there is a wisdom in this world. There are some many smart people in this world when man compares himself to man. God has given them this wisdom. But that wisdom is not what I call true wisdom or it's not a saving wisdom. We can just look close at our text or surrounding our text to see this. The world by wisdom knew not God. By this worldly wisdom, no man will ever know God. We must know Him and believe Him if we are to be saved. But our wisdom will not bring us there. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21, it says that the world by wisdom, that is, by man's own figuring out, he will never know God. We are told in Romans, there is none that seeketh after God. None are trying to figure out who God is. Man by nature does not care who God is. We are told in Scripture that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job 28, 28 we read, And unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Wisdom is to fear God. There are those in this world, and this was me at one time, 
But there are those in this world who want to do something for God. But they have no fear of God before their eyes. Scripture says so. God says so. Not only is fearing God wisdom, but it is in fact and in truth the right thing to do. Psalm 19.9 we read, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So what is the fear of the Lord? What do we read in Proverbs 14, 25 through 27? You don't have to turn there. A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. First of all, telling lies on God is being a deceitful witness. And to not tell men and women they must fear God is telling them a lie. You are being deceitful. What are some of the deceitful witnesses we hear today? Telling men and women, repeat after me. Repeating something before men never saved anyone and will never save anyone. You must know and fear Him. This is not wisdom. Accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Jesus does not need acceptance. He is accepted of the Father who is well pleased with Him. This is not wisdom. Man is the one that must be accepted by God and there is only acceptance in the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ. So He must accept you and I but you and I are not worth accepting. We do not and cannot fear God on our own or by our own power. If God and His power allows you to hear what God's Word says about who you are and who He is, that starts to bring a little bit of fear of God, doesn't it? But also fearing God brings strong confidence, confidence it says, You know God will do what He says He will do. In knowing this and knowing who you are, but also knowing that He came into the world to save sinners, you know it is that that it Him it is Him that is your refuge. So you know you have a place of refuge. You know He has the right and the might to carry all things out. What else? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, it says. Fearing God and knowing He does as He pleases, and knowing that He has has done is what and what He has done is to the saving of the soul. It is a fountain of life to the believer, of which death will have no power over you. What Jesus Christ did was to give me life in Him. Knowing this and hearing this, it is life to me every time I hear it. What else are we told is the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The fear of God is to hate what He hates. I am all these things as I am born born in Adam. This flesh is still all that it ever was. I have pride wreaking all in me and out of me. 
I am arrogant in this flesh and will continue to rebel against God as I am born in Adam in this flesh. My ways are evil. My mouth is froward, that is, perverse. I say or think I can do some good thing before him of myself, that is, perverse. To think I can do something acceptable before him, that is, perverse. So to fear God is to hate myself and to repent in dust and ashes. This world hates this. It gives them nothing they can do for God. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We are all like this by nature. We do not get this wisdom on our own. That is the fear of God. Scripture says we are all the children of wrath even as others. We hate God just like everyone else as we are born in Adam. Isaiah 47.10 we read, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, None seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. And thou hast said in thy heart, I am and none else beside me. What does this say? It says my wisdom is this. I say this as I am born in Adam. I don't need God. I have myself. God does not see what I really am. I can get myself out of this mess. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Fools. That is what we are by nature. Fools. But God be thanked for His wisdom and His work. That is His righteousness. So what about His righteousness that we just read in Romans 3.26? He has made unto us righteousness. So number two, righteousness. Righteousness which is equity of character. Justification. Man has a righteousness. Man as we are born are righteous in our own eyes. So there is a righteousness we have unto ourselves. But it is not the righteousness of God. Even if you put all our righteousness, righteousnesses together, what are they? Isaiah 64, 6 we read, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We do this because we have this old wicked heart. And this heart will deceive us into thinking we are doing righteousness before Him. Jeremiah seventeen nine we read, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. <clears throat> Who can know it? It deceives us into thinking we somehow have a God righteousness. A righteousness that God will accept. Our righteousnesses are actually iniquities before God. That's what we read here in 64.6. We read that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And it goes on to say, our iniquities. What iniquities? In the context, our iniquities are our righteousnesses. Those things we think to be righteous before God are iniquities, and we fade as a leaf, it says. Our iniquities, like the wind, it says, carries us away from God. So much so that our own selves will not, we will not call on His name, 
or lay hold of Him. Because of our iniquities, God has hid His face from us. What do we read in Romans? Romans 10.3 For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousnesses, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Our problem is we do not know God's righteousnesses as righteousness as we are born in Adam. We will not submit ourselves to His righteousness as it says there in Romans 10 verse 3. But God be thanked, our iniquities would not be seen. His people's iniquities, their righteousnesses will not be seen by God the Father in vain. Because of what the Son would do. So now we come to the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is made unto us righteousness. By the gospel and His Spirit, we come to know that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. We were at one time going about to establish our own righteousness. What do we read about righteousness in Romans 1 verses 16 through 18? We read, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. To us is revealed the righteousness of God. Through this blessed gospel which His people come to love, this we do as we are enabled by God through faith given us and also that faith proclaimed to us, this is how we live. This is how we live, it says. But to say it another way, this is how we breathe among the living. It is our way of life, in other words. So we see this righteousness is not a what. It is not what that we can somehow work to gain. This righteousness is a who. If you want to know what righteousness is, you should be asking, who is the righteousness of God? Scripture gives us the answer. As we have read, there is a righteousness which we must submit to. And that righteousness is a who. If you would, turn with me to Romans 3. So I want to I want to go through these two verses here. Romans 3 and verse 21. <clears throat> Romans 3 and verse 21. And I'm going to read and say some things about these verses as we're going through it here. Romans 3 verses 21. But now the righteousness of God. So we are about to hear what or who the righteousness of God is. But then we have a declaration of God that is a clarification if you will. But now the righteousness of God without the law. So the righteousness righteousness we are about to hear about is totally apart from the law. It is righteousness without the law. That is any law, including the Ten Commandments. It goes on to say, is manifested. So we have, but now the righteousness of God without the law 
is manifested. That is, it is rendered apparent or appears. This is where it appears. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets both give testimony to this righteousness. Verse 22. Even the righteousness. This word righteousness is the same Greek word as in our text. Even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Here's one of those places where a little word can make a big difference. It says faith of Jesus Christ, not faith in Jesus Christ. Of denotes ownership or possession, and that is just what this is telling us. As it goes on to say in this text, we see the righteousness of God in the faith which is owned, that is authored and perfected by Jesus Christ himself. This is not worked up by us. It is given to us. We have even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all, his faith unto all, and upon all them that believe. You believe God, it will be by the faith of Christ given to you. This faith is unto you and upon you. Righteousness is come to you. For there is no difference, it finishes out. It is Christ and his faith which is the righteousness of God without the law. This faith is given to his people. Faith enables us to believe, but not just believe anything we want. Faith does not, not cause us to start looking, out, uh, looking at ourselves to figure out what we can do or cannot do, or what we should or should not do. And I, I just wanted to mention this. We listened to a, a message by Carol Poole. I don't know if you all know Carol Poole or not, but he made this statement, and I really like this statement. You do not exercise faith. Faith exercise, exercises you. Faith enables us to look to and believes that Jesus Christ is our righteousness before God without the law, based on who He is and what He has done. It was the total and complete purpose of the Godhead to do it this way. His wisdom made it so. So much so the whole of the book speaks of Christ. Even the law and the prophets testify to this. That is it. It testifies to the righteous. Righteousness of God being Jesus Christ and His faith without the law. It has been manifested to all. But there are those who cannot see it. But God be thanked, He was pleased to choose a people for His name to this end. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He has made unto us these things. Righteousness we are talking about today. In Him we are made these things. By His righteousnesses, righteousness we are set apart by Him. So now we have made unto us sanctification. Number three, sanctification. The meaning of the word here is holiness, purification, purifier. Jesus Christ is our purifier. 
I really like the sound of that. It is He that makes me clean. It is He that sets me apart for His use. It is He that makes me whole. I need cleaning. Who can bring a clean from an unclean? Not one, the Scripture says. Turn with me to Hebrews 10, if you would. Hebrews 10. I turn to a lot of passages, so, you know, I, I think the Scripture says a lot of things better than I can say them. So, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9. We're going to read verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. He taketh away the first, it says. What did he take away? Do this and live. The Ten Commandments. That he may establish the second. What is the second? He has done it all. Now live. It goes on to say, by the which will we are sanctified. Not, we have be, not that we have begun to be sanctified and now it needs to be finished or completed. But we are sanctified, complete, finished. How? Through the offering of the body of Christ once. The for all was put in there, but you can take it out. It reads better without it, really. <clears throat> once Christ died. Only once and no more. What did he accomplish in that one-time offering of his body for his people? Sanctification. He made us holy and it only took one time for him to offer up himself to accomplish this. He is my sanctification. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. The word ever there means perpetually. This is something that was done that is continuing and will never end. There is nothing about it that is changing. It's just continuing on. What Jesus Christ has done has set me apart unto God. It has cleansed me and made me holy before God. All based on the work He did and nothing at all to do with what I have done or will do. This was done before you and I were ever even born. What else are we told about sanctification? Second Thessalonians 2.13, you know this, it's very familiar. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Here's what God is telling will bring Salvation to us through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. His Spirit comes to each of His at His own time when it pleases Him. The Spirit bloweth where it listeth. But the Spirit comes and sets His own apart. The Spirit makes them whole. Does the Spirit of God do a job that is imperfect and must be continued on or made better by the one who has been sanctified? Absolutely not. 
But just to finish the passage, this setting apart, this making holy is for the express purpose of believing the truth. God does not do a partial job of sanctification. God does not wind you up and then you take over in time to sanctify yourself. But don't take my word for it. Let's see what God says. First Thessalonians 5.23 we read, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word there for sanctify means to make holy. The one who is making holy is the very God of peace. Who is that? Jesus Christ the Lord. Then we have the word holy. The word for holy there, and that is W-H-O-L-L-Y, means complete to the end. Absolutely perfect. So the God of peace sanctifies us, and He does this completely to the end, preserving us until our God of peace returns. <clears throat> progressive sanctification is a lie sanctification is not a progressive work but a completed work it is one that is a continuing work complete to the end that is the work will last as long as it needs to forever if you feel you are progressively getting better you are deceiving yourself so you want to sanctify yourself you go right ahead. My hope is in Jesus Christ who, who has and shall bring me to God by Himself. God sanctifies us completely. And we are told in Scripture that we are sanctified as I've just went through. The body of Christ, the faith of Jesus Christ, sanctified by the Holy Ghost and sanctified by the truth of God. Are these different sanctifications? No, what Christ did for us was done to God the Father. What He does to us is for us also that we might know Him. Otherwise, we would not know Him. Jesus Christ, by His death, secured our being made holy by His body and death, by His faith, to do what the Father said to do. The Holy Spirit then coming down and translating those who are His into the kingdom of His dear Son. And they are set apart by the Holy Spirit them coming to know this by the gospel is true, so that they might serve the true and living God. This is where or when we begin to see He has made unto us all these things. This gospel is simple. That is, it's singular. It is Christ, Christ, Christ. Anything concerning the salvation of a sinner, then it is all Christ, Christ, Christ. It's that simple, that singular. Man's part is offending God, and that's it. Briefly, I want to talk about man's sanctification, and here it is. He has none of himself. So let's move on to the next point. Number four, redemption. Ransom in full. A releasing effected by payment of a ransom, or liberation procured, by the payment of a ransom. So when we talk about redemption, we have to talk about those who have been redeemed. It tells us that Christ is made unto us redemption. So what do we need redemption from? Turn with me to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, please. 
Galatians 3 and verse 10 through 14. Galatians 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law on the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Redemption from the curse of the law. The word there for works means that which anyone is occupied. It means to toil or a deed done. So anyone who is of being occupied by the law, that is toiling in the law, performing deeds of the law, are under the curse. Me as an example, as I was born in Adam. To those who are like this, are cursed under the law. That's exactly what it says here. Reading that or knowing that, then it is evident that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. That's exactly what it says. Because the just, if anyone is just, it will be faith that they live by and not the law. Faith will be their way of life, their conversation, and not the law. If you are living or have your way of life in the law, your conversation, then you are cursed. It is evident, Paul says. God tells us the law is not of faith, So from God we are clear that the law does not come from faith. It is not of faith, it says. If you are doing the law, that is, if you are looking to the law as your way of life, even just a little, then the scripture says you shall live by them completely. But we cannot live by them because there is nothing but death which comes by the law. Not because the law was bad, But because this flesh is bad, the law is weak through the flesh. But God never intended for the law to be a way of life by His chosen people or a way of life for for His chosen people. We are born dead in trespasses and in sin. We can in no way keep God's law. In fact, we break God's law continually, constantly. Even today in this flesh, the law lets us know this, by God's grace, if we are one of His, whom he's opened our eyes. Before we are given life, we do not even know that we are dead. But the scripture is clear that we are all under sin, and sin is the transgression of the law. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, but not for everyone. Only those whom God has chosen will ever know this when he reveals it to them. Christ, who is our redemption, redeemed us from that curse. That curse which killed us because we cannot do it and live. He was made the very thing I am so that I might be redeemed from the curse of it. 
the soul that sinneth, it shall die. This was done that we might receive the Spirit of God through faith. This is that blessing which was unto Abraham. And you can read that in Galatians 4, 4 through 6 sometime. Had he not done this, there would not have been any adoption of sons. So what else has this redemption done for, for us? Turn with me to Titus 2. Titus 2. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. I'm going to try to speed up here a little bit. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that we might re- that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good good works. Purified from all iniquities. Jesus Christ is the grace of God, the favor of God. God the Father favors the Son above all anything else and all else. He is higher than we can even imagine. This grace has been manifested in a person, the face of Jesus Christ. He does not teach us that is, those who are His, those who are chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. He does not teach us to live debaucherous lives. We are not talking about hating God's law or trying to break God's law. Yet we break it all the time. But we look by Him. We look to live in such a way by His power. But we live in such a way that is sober, righteous, and godly. Him working in us both the will and to do His good pleasure. When He does this, we do actually do those works, all by His power. Turn with me to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So we are redeemed from our vain way of life. There is nothing in any of the implements of the law, that is those earthly implements that we read about in the Old Testament. There's no redemption in any of those, and there is no redemption in the traditions of the fathers passed down in creeds. This is what it all boils down to with Jews and Gentiles. The precious blood of Christ. Jesus Christ died for both Jews and Gentiles. And who were those in Christ before the world began? 
Christ died the just for the unjust. He was, as it says here, as a lamb without blemish. Not a spot on him and no imperfections on him or in him. This was the covenant made by the three in one. God the Father chose us in Christ. Christ died to secure them to Himself. God the Holy Spirit brings those poor vile sinners to Himself. It It is by Him that you believe in God. He gives us life and He sends His gospel so that Christ might be made unto us redemption. All His doing. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Our justification before God is all because of what He did on that tree. God did not have to do this. It was His whole purpose for creation. To save a people for His namesake. This was not a second plan for God. Everything that has taken place is taking place and that shall take place has been purposed by God from the foundation of the world. Through faith in His blood, it says here, He has set forth to us a propitiation, an atoning victim who appeased the wrath of God. God appeased His own wrath by dying on that tree, redeeming a people. Our acceptance before God is because He chose us in Christ before the world began, according to His will. He had to take our place or it would be us in that place. And just think on this passage here, Habakkuk 3.2. O Lord, I have heard Thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive Thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. He appeased the wrath of God and in doing so, He showed me mercy in Christ. He then raised to life once the ransom was paid. When Christ brought forth the blood to the Father, presented this sacrifice of Himself on our behalf, and this we could have never done. And if we could, it would never be accepted. But Jesus Christ pleased the Father with what He had done and He saved us to the uttermost, Scripture says. We can in no way be any more saved than that to the uttermost. Saved to the full extent that you can even imagine. Hebrews 9.12 we read, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. But we see here the uttermost part. Here is that perpetual part of it. That never-ending part of it. Jesus Christ obtained eternal, that is perpetual, redemption. This redemption is for, for what? For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. The transgressions were under the first testament. The law was where transgressions are made manifest. Not because there is a shortcoming in the law, but there is a total shortcoming in us. We are all born dead in trespasses and in sin. So I think it's clear that all those born from Adam have transgressed against God. If you have transgressed in in 
against God, there is forgiveness of sin in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you do not feel you have transgressed, then there is nothing for you. What need of you do you have of a position? So then, what have we seen in all these things? We have went through all these things Christ has made unto us. Wisdom. Jesus Christ in His wisdom made a way that He could be just and justify the ungodly. Our wisdom was to hide our faces from Him. But His wisdom brought fear before our eyes of Him. That same fear giving us comfort. Righteousness. Scripture is clear about us and our righteousness. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. We by nature do not submit ourselves to the righteousness of God, which is a person. But Jesus Christ being righteous, He has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He being righteous, righteous has taken on our sin and our sins so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. It is the faith of Jesus Christ which is counted for our righteousness. Romans 4, 3-5 through For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Those who want to work for their salvation to gain, to gain favor before God, their reward is one of death. That's what Scripture says. It's not my opinion. It's what God says in His Word. This debt will never be paid. So those who work for their salvation will never be righteous before Christ's holy God. Their work will never be done or complete. They will still owe a debt before God. They will receive their wages, which is death. Jesus Christ, for those chosen in Him from the foundation of the world, He took their wages in His righteousness on that tree, on, on our behalf. We do, things that are, uh, do we do things that are righteous in God's sight? Yes. When He works in us both the will and to do of His good pleasure. I never know what they are. And it does not do us any good to try to figure out what they are. I have this flesh with me and I can never tell. Even standing here preaching before you. It says to those who worketh not. But it does not just stop there with worketh not. It adds, but believeth on him. Those who are his believe him. Who justifies the ungodly. And think on this next verse, Galatians 2.21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. This does not say if righteousness come by the law before you are saved. It says if righteousness come by the law, period. Then Christ is dead in vain. He is dead without a cause is what the word means. Dead for naught if righteousness come by the law. But righteousness does not come by the law. It does not in any way. Righteousness comes by the faith of Jesus Christ. I look to Him for everything. I by nature have no capacity to even believe Him. He must give a new heart and that faith with which to believe. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from where? The Father of lights. 
the Father of illumination. He must give the gifts for us to believe Him, and it is in believing Him we must do. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So how do we attain unto righteousness? Believe in Jesus Christ, did what He came to do, and satisfied the Father on my behalf. Believing Him, I enter into a union with the One who is righteousness. Therefore then being clothed in His righteousness. Sanctification. Jesus Christ has made unto us sanctification because He is our sanctification. Ephesians 1 verse 4 we read, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. God the Almighty, Sovereign, Holy God calls us saints, that is, holy. We are chosen in Him to be holy before Him, and that is God. Christ is our sanctification. We are sanctified, past tense. But it is a setting apart that continues until the day of Jesus Christ until we are before God holy. We are set apart by God in this life that we may give honor and glory to His name. We have no sanctification of our own. We are separated unto God that called us by His mighty power. We are sanctified by Jesus Christ once, not multiple times. But this sanctification which He has wrought is a sanctification which is complete and perfect. We are continually sanctified by Him, meaning we are kept by God. We are preserved by God. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. If we are set apart by God, how much more setting apart can happen? Is God imperfect? Does God do a work halfway and leave the rest up to me? A halfway work is not a perfect work. The scripture tells us that He perfected us who are sanctified. And we know this sanctification is through Jesus Christ who is made unto us this by His gospel. He is this to His people. God the Father chose us in Christ to be sanctified before Him. The Son gave Himself a sacrifice to sanctify the ungodly. And God the Holy Spirit sanctifies us by giving us life so that we might believe. His Word, His gospel sanctifies us making Christ, un- Christ unto us sanctification. Redemption. It is Christ who hath redeemed us by His blood, the us being His creation and His chosen people in Christ. His creation falling and being under the law, they needed redemption from His curse. He purchased it back for us on our behalf by His death and the shedding of blood by the Holy One, redeeming them to Himself by this death and resurrection. Him taking on the wrath of God in order that we might see mercy from Him. This being done to the uttermost, it is perpetual, never ending. Jesus Christ is all these things to us, and we are nothing in and of ourselves. Colossians 3.11 says, and this is my title, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. We are told that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
in the preaching of the gospel. It pleased God to make Jesus Christ unto us all these things. What more could we ask for? Knowing these things being revealed, revealed these things, what does it do? In verse 31, this is the culmination of all that. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Boast in Jesus Christ. He is where all blessings flow. We have no confidence in this flesh, but him being our all in all, we are brought nigh to God as children. Boast in him. Amen. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. You being patient with me. It was good to be here. Thank you. Simple gospel, singular, right? Christ. I, Paul, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm thankful that uh, the Lord gave you a message for us here today. Uh, thank you both for, for, for driving here and, and for your time, for your preparation. Um, thank you. Appreciate you. It's, it's, been a, it's been a good morning, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah let, let's pray together, and then Sean will lead us in singing. Our Heavenly Father, we, we have much to be thankful for. Thank you for for blessing us with this, with this privilege of being here and worshiping together as a family to, together today. We thank you for granting us worship, for, for prayers answered, for, for blessing Paul. And we pray that you give Paul and Paula traveling mercies back home. Pray that you be with us through the week. And, and again, we, we thank you for, for prayers answered, of, of blessing this, this time of worship together today. We pray for our pastor and for Janet, and we pray for, for Eric that you bring them home safely to us. Give them traveling mercies as well. Be with us through this upcoming week, Father. Bring, bring, bring these things that we've heard today to our minds, to our hearts, and continually, perpetually point us to, to Christ. We thank you. We thank you in Christ's name alone. Amen.